Back in 1988, Callie Curry sat down to write her very first screenplay. The result was the cultural phenomenon Thelma and Louise. Here is Curry addressing a pertinent question posed by three-time Oscar-nominated producer and former president of production at New Line Cinema and DreamWorks, Mike DeLuca. The interview, taken from the dialogue Learning from the Masters series, is available on YouTube. You mentioned before um, what the studios are out for. Do you feel the business has changed since Thelma and Louise came? Could you make Thelma and Louise now? I don't know. I, don't, I think you could probably make it independently. But I certainly don't think Sony or, or any of the big studios, Paramount, would, would be out looking for a script like that. It would surprise me to see that movie get made at a studio. But, you know, it would surprise me to see Midnight Cowboy get made at a studio or any of the movies that we all yeah. love. You know, I think all of those movies, you know, somebody struggled mightily to get them made. One of the things that makes any film great is that it succeeds in being different. But when the story is still in script form, what is different about it is the very reason why many people shy away from it. Thelma and Louise was more than just different. It focused on two women going on the run after Thelma shoots dead a man attempting to rape Louise. Now, bear this in mind. That interview took place in 2006, and however difficult it may have been then to write female character-driven movies, back in 1988, of the top 10 films at the US box office, not one of them had a female in the lead role. Extending that list to the top 50, there were only three films where the two leads were female. Big Business, Beaches and The Accused. What is more, of those 50 films, only one was solo written by a woman. Beaches by Mary Agnes Donoghue. Given the odds being so stacked against Curry to begin with, she must have had a very good reason to write the story. The personal experience that I drew from was one day when I was walking down the street, an old man from a car said something to me that was so vile that I had the thought, if I had a gun, I would kill him. And just the, the thought of realizing the rage that bubbled up in me at that moment. And I said, when I was writing this, that is, a, that is an amazing feeling that a person who is a, living their life, a normal person by every other standard, that a, a series of events can come together and you're capable of doing things that you would never believe possible. Having completed the script, Corey passed it on to her friend and film producer, Mimi Polk, who just happened to be business partner with Ridley Scott. Scott was immediately taken by the two multidimensional, assertive, resourceful, resilient, flawed and funny female leads who were defined not by their men, but by their actions. With Scott's commitment, Curry's agent, Diane Cairns, then sent the script to Jodie Foster and Michelle Pfeiffer. Foster had just completed The Accused, where she portrayed rape victim Sarah Tobias, while Pfeiffer was fresh off her supporting role of Madame Torvel in Dangerous Liaisons. Both actresses quickly said yes, at which point Cairns had a package to sell. To get the auction going, Cairns made the not uncommon decision to send the script out on a Friday and then hit the phones first thing on Monday to land what she was sure to be a big deal. But one by one and all on that same Monday morning, Universal, Fox, Disney, Warners, Columbia and Paramount all said no. Even Orion, 
the studio most renowned for taking risks, decided to pass. The only hope remaining was MGM, that had been the biggest studio in Hollywood's golden age, but since then had fallen so far from the fulcrum of power that they were often the place you went when everyone else had passed. MGM said yes. Why? Certainly a large part of it had to do with the strength of Corey's script. But another factor surely was that the head of MGM at the time was Alan Ladd Jr, who in 1977 had been ahead of 20th Century Fox when he gave the green light to a very original sci-fi horror. What was your special order? You read it. I thought it was clear. What was it? Bring back life form. Priority one. All other priorities rescinded. Having delivered that groundbreaking and chest-busting classic, Scott re-engaged with Ladd to direct another sci-fi. She's a replicant, isn't she? I'm impressed. How many questions does it usually take to spot one? I don't get it, Tyrell. How many questions? 20, 30 cross-referenced. It took more than a hundred for Rachel, didn't it? She doesn't know. She's beginning to suspect, I think. Suspect? How can it not know what it is? However, for Thelma and Louise, Scott was originally slated only to produce. Here he is talking with David Poland. The rest of the interview is part of Poland's DP30 series, which is available on YouTube. The script came to me and um, through Callie and through the person who's running my company. Mm-hmm. And they, they were friends and they knew each other. And um, I read the script thinking, hey, it's pretty interesting. And I think they said, yeah, two women, of course, said, yeah, but it's not for you. I said, okay. And so I was then used as the, the what I call the sprat to catch the mackerel which is actually I go around and try and persuade directors to do it. No one wanted to do it. Hmm. Guys, mostly guys, they said, I don't want to do that. It's these two men in the car, I don't know about that. I said, well, that's the, that's the point, dude. They are difficult because they've got a lot to say about who you are. So obviously you shouldn't do the film. Scott is being polite here. Among the directors he approached were Bob Rafelson, most famous for Five Easy Pieces and who had recently made a quasi-feminist thriller named Black Widow, starring Deborah Winger and Teresa Russell. Another director was Richard Donner, who had just made Lethal Weapon. Now, that may sound like an odd choice, but it's not really. Firstly, Lethal Weapon is a buddy movie mixed with crime and comedy, and so is Thelman Louise. In addition, Pfeiffer had already worked with Richard Donner on the seldom-seen medieval sorcery fantasy Lady Hawk. Ultimately, though, both directors had very unflattering things to say about the script, with one of them dismissing it as nothing more than two bitches in a car. With the delays in securing a director, Foster and Pfeiffer backed out, with Pfeiffer going on to make The Russia House opposite Sean Connery, and Foster doing Silence of the Lambs, which incidentally, Pfeiffer had just turned down. However, before she left the project, Pfeiffer gave Scott one parting piece of advice direct it yourself. Still unsure that he should, or could, Scott offered the project to fellow English director Stephen Frears, who had just directed Pfeiffer in Dangerous Liaisons. Frears loved the script, but was unsure how he could film a landscape so alien to his own experiences. Which is an honest admission, because if you think of any great scene from a Stephen Frears film, Prick Up Your Ears, Dangerous Liaisons, The Grifters or Dirty Pretty Things, Chances are, it's set indoors. I bet the way. At the factory. It's 
said he would report me to immigration and he made me suck. But today I bet. I bet. I bet. It sounds curious that Scott would be so reluctant to direct such an original script, especially one where women are depicted in such fine detail. I say this because when Scott came on board to direct Alien, Dan O'Bannon's script did not declare the gender of any of the characters, and it was only when casting was finally being addressed that it was decided that Lieutenant Ripley, the last survivor of the doomed Nostromo, should be a woman. And with that one decision, one of the most iconic American female characters was created. I believe you can now place Thelma Dickinson and Louise Sawyer right alongside. So, once Thelma and Louise was announced as a GO project, almost every actress in Hollywood under a certain age was chomping at the bit for an audition. Ultimately, Gina Davis, who had recently won an Oscar for her supporting role in The Accidental Tourist, was cast as the younger, somewhat naive Thelma Dickinson, with Susan Sarandon playing the older, somewhat wiser Louise Sawyer. We're gonna need money. Thelma, how much money do you have on you? What? I'm gonna stop at the next town and get a motel room. I can rest for a little bit and then I'll, I'll figure out what to do. Okay. Wait, I'm looking. 61 dollars. <laughs> 41 dollars. We're gonna need more money. What is most arresting about the film is that for once it prioritises the female point of view. And I mean literally a woman's point of view. It is hard to underestimate the seismic shift that the film offered when the camera first set its lens on JD, played by Brad Pitt. He appears in blue jeans and matching denim shirt, a white cowboy hat rounding out his look. But that look changes when he strips off for Thelma. Mm -hmm. My goodness, you were sure gentlemanly about it well now i've always believed if done properly armed robbery doesn't have to be a totally unpleasant experience <laughs> what you're real life outlaw aren't you well i may be an outlaw darling but uh you're the one stealing my heart oh it's smooth oh yeah. oh isn't smooth isn't he yeah that's right that way <laughs> I'm That is a very complex scene. It's not just about epic Olympian sex. It is about emotional legitimacy. It's about Thelma reclaiming her sense of self after she was assaulted in the parking lot. It's about Thelma escaping her browbeating husband. It is about women who grow up dominated by men and then marry someone who tricks them into thinking that they will be treated with respect. So Thelma gives her trust to JD. Finally got laid properly. <laughs> Where is it now? He's taking a shower. Tell me you left him alone in the room. Where's the money? Oh my God, Thelma, where's the money? It's on the bed table. When the film is released in May 1991, it caused a storm of controversy, with many very insecure males and retrogressive females complaining about the way Corey and Scott misrepresented men and allowed them to be mistreated by women. But the representation of men mistreating women in such ways has been an unhealthy pattern of cinema since its earliest days. 
Amongst its many, many attributes, Thelma and Louise has a satirical streak that is often overlooked. Like all satires, it holds a mirror up to society. In Curie's case, her mirror was concave, which inverted almost everything society assumed to be normal and acceptable. And it is only by inverting everything that you see how unjust it all is. I mean, I've heard people say in the past, you know, anger is such a useless emotion. And I'm like, it's the path to justice. You know, until there's outrage, there's no movement. And, and I think that it, it, it is absolutely the most necessary thing to cause change and drive us to our, our better nature. So perhaps DeLuca might not have asked whether Thelma Louise could be made today, but rather, should its like be made today? In these times, when the alt-right, neoconservatives and religious fundamentalists are pushing back against women's rights, Thelma and Louise is essential viewing. Born out of experience, Curry's fiction conveys deep and important truths for us all. She was honoured with an Academy Award and thus became the first woman to win the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay on her own since Frances Marion won for The Champ way back in 1932. In addition, Curry was awarded the WGA and BAFTA and in 2013, the Writers Guild of America listed her script in the 101 Best Screenplays Ever Written. And for screenwriters in particular, Khoury offers this great advice. You know, I don't think it's necessarily about writing what you know, but writing what you believe. I think that that's the most important thing you can do. If you're the kind of person who just wants to be a screenwriter and get a movie made, I think you're going to have a really hard road. You know, I think if you're a person who really wants to tell a story and really wants to bring something to the world, really feels like you're going to do something that nobody right. else besides you can do. That's really worth doing. Mm -hmm.